Another week has passed in the Apple world, and I have one question for you, Matt. Have you recovered from WWDC? Because we had a a whirlwind, jam-packed episode last week. So much to talk about. You know, it's interesting because the first week was all about iOS, and now that I'm kind of over it because I'm just used to it at this point because I have it on my phone, this, I guess, would be the second week of it full-time. I'm kind of used to it at this point. Now I kind of forgot about iOS, and it's all about macOS now. There's so many... uh, questions concerns and uh theories but i i have a lot of questions too and we will get to that but before we do as always we want to thank everybody who is interacting with us over at the apple circle hotline by the way if you want to join in on the conversation that number is 949-354-3508 we appreciate all of the texts the voicemails we love interacting with you guys so give us uh, a text or a call if you would uh, so desire to do so. Uh, as always, our fan in chief, we got Brantz. He writes in this week. He says his question for this week is he seems uh, sees a lot of people seem to think that Apple will put a touchscreen on the Mac by the end of the year. That's a very, very big prediction. I feel like Mac OS Big Sur is t- more touch friendly, but still needs a lot of changes to make sense for a touchscreen. What do you guys think? And uh I feel like, Matt, there is so much to discuss about this. I know, I don't know about you, but I've seen this pop up in podcasts, in Twitter discussions. Uh, Quinn Nelson from Snazzy Labs did an excellent video that launched this week, kind of delving into this idea. And yeah, it does seem like they're making some moves in that direction. What are your thoughts on this? What do you think of this idea? Do you think it's going to happen? And what are your thoughts if Apple does decide to do it? It's a tough one. I th- I think it's definitely possible. It's more possible now than ever. Um, and I think my worry of this is in Quinn's video, like you just mentioned. At the very end, he mentioned something I think very important. And it's my big worry about all of this is instead of having two OSs, iOS or iPadOS and macOS that are both great, but pretty much completely different, like they work in completely different ways. It seems like we're inching towards this area where they're both different, but they're similar in bad ways. And I'm just worried that that's where we're going to get. And, you know, the the idea of a touchscreen desktop OS is obviously not new. Windows has had this for years at this point. I think that started with Windows 8, right? Which was a disaster, but yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, it's obviously like, I've used them. I've used Windows 8, or not Windows 8, but I've used uh, Windows laptops that have touchscreens. I've used the Surface, like the best of the best that Windows has to offer. And they're fine. What they don't have is that interface that you expect from something like an iPad. Uh, and and like Brad said, and like a bunch of people have been saying, it seems like macOS Big Sur is definitely a, a step in the direction of being able to be used with a touchscreen. But there's still so many issues and it's not even from Apple's perspective, because I, I think Apple themselves can make the OS pretty pretty touch-friendly. And that's not... I don't even think that's that hard to do, like making those buttons bigger, making the spacing bigger, so it's just easier to tap with your finger. I think that's pretty easy. But it's more the third parties. Like, using Final Cut with the touchscreen on uh, like how it's implemented now with all these tiny touch points, it's just not going to work. We want that iPad-optimized Final Cut, which means that, you know, it's not a one-to-one, which is the easiest thing to do, but it's a worse experience on either platform. I don't know how Apple can address that without the three, four years of really horrible transition. Like for example, Adobe, using Photoshop on a Mac, the way it is currently built, is just not gonna work with a touchscreen. And I know that because that's kind of how it is on Windows and it's not a good experience. 
So it, it's it's not so much that I don't want it. It's the worry of we're going to get a worse experience on both platforms rather than them be completely separate. Yeah, I just have so many questions about this. And as I think about it, I don't even know if it's something that I would want necessarily. I just I, I have so many mixed reactions. I don't know how to feel about it. And I saw after you know the keynote last week, a lot of people were taking the Big Sur uh, screenshots and overlaying them on the iPad Pro and showing, hey, look, fit uh, the dock is yeah, it's like it's all everything's all rounded because it's it fits perfectly on here and like the icons are bigger and the spacing uh is better for touch and the buttons are bigger and i just i don't know how to feel and i saw there are a number of really good podcast interviews with apple executives of course all the big shows got them uh you had john gruber who got an interview uh you had I think a Relay FM podcast had one. Renee Ritchie had one. Like a lot of people had these. Oh, Marquez had one too, which was really good with Craig. Uh, you know, really just like good, uh, a little bit more in-depth interviews with Apple execs. And on those podcasts, they reiterated time and time again that they are committed to the Mac, that they are committed to the things people love to do on the Mac, like tinker with things and homebrew and terminal and turning system integrity protection off because people want to mess with stuff like me with weird unsupported GPUs. Like they say, and they continue to say that they are committed to the Mac in that regard. But does that mean that they're going to keep the Mac as it is, as a desktop focused operating system, or are they going to bring it into kind of this hybrid where, yeah, I can do all that stuff, but you can also use it for touch. I, I guess what I'm struggling with right now is I don't understand how this fits into the lineup. They're, so they're going to have, okay, so Mac OS is touch-based. So they're going to have a special version of the iPad that can run both iPad OS and Mac OS, or do they have a special version of uh, a piece of Mac hardware that somehow now has a touchscreen? How do you think if Apple was to do this, how would they deploy that into their current lineup or is this with something new yeah i think it would have to be something new but yeah I don't, I'm, I'm really not sure how they would do it on the laptop side on the ipad side it, it kind of makes sense because the form factor is already there but on the mac side like a, a macbook with a touchscreen, what will they do that's any different than either one just an ipad with a magic keyboard like what's the difference there or where it's really not functional at all because it's just a laptop that has a touchscreen, and you know the same issues that they've always stated that apple's always stated in the past where it's just a not pleasant experience to just have your arm lifted in the air all the time to use a touchscreen, which i agree with okay, if you implement that into a laptop design, well, that doesn't solve anything. Sure, you could do like a convertible, but I just don't see Apple doing that. But then if you kind of go the tablet-y route, well, then don't, why not, we just already have the iPad. Like, what's the difference there? So I guess that kind of leads to another question. Would you rather have the iPad Pro that runs or has the option to run Mac OS, or would you rather them kind of fork Mac OS into a be end-all, be-all, do-everything? See, I, I'm of the opinion that I would like to have two separate devices. Like when I'm sitting down to edit a video and I am sitting down to use my computer, I'm like the old person where I want the keyboard, I want the mouse, <laughs> I want my controllers. Like I just, I like that desktop experience. And I also, maybe I'm a little atypical because like I have like three screens and like I just, I get in a very desktop mode and the iPad is a great device for so many things and it can do a growing number of things very well. But there is still, at least in my mind, a very clear distinction between an iPad Pro and a Mac. And I just, I don't want, 
I don't have a desire to really run Mac OS on an iPad Pro. And I don't have a desire for the Mac to become this touchscreen thing. I just, I don't understand that. And I also, it just, it's so weird because, you know, Apple has spent so much time, not so much in recent months, but before, they spent a lot of time giving the iPad Pro so many more features and making it more like a desktop, but there was still a clear distinction there. And, you know, they just had this whole announcement where they really uh, did do the fork between iPhone uh, iOS and iPad OS, like, you know, the clear distinction between the two OSs. So I just, I don't know, maybe I'm in the old boat where I'd rather have two separate devices, but what are, What about you? Would you want a uh, hybrid device or would you use a Mac with touchscreen capabilities? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I've never been a fan of the touchscreen desktop computers like the like a Surface, for instance. I, I just I never use the touchscreen except for occasionally if I'm sitting like in a weird position, like if I'm laying down on the couch or if for whatever reason I'm using it in bed, then I'll use it to scroll on the screen because it's easier than kind of propping your arm in a weird angle to like get to the trackpad. So I'll, I'll use that for that, but I've literally never used it for anything else. So I, I just don't care. It's just not the form factor that I like. And like having a convertible type where you flip everything around, I, I just hate that kind of stuff. I want a tablet that's thin and light like an iPad. And I want it to be that. What I want really is not so much, it's not so much I want these things to merge. It's just that I want them to work together better, which I guess is maybe what Apple is actually trying to do here. But like, for instance, on the iPad, it's so good at so many different things. It's fast, it's powerful, it's light, it's uh, thin. Like everything you want from a portable quote unquote computer, the iPad is, it's just missing those little things that, at least for me personally, I need like Final Cut alternative or a, these pro apps, like for people that code, Xcode, like the little last step to really make it Obviously, it's not a Mac, and I don't even expect these apps to be exactly the same, but to be the holdover for, okay, yeah, maybe for the very professional of us who really get in there and be intensive, like we're in Final Cut all day doing a lot of stuff that even our MacBooks can't really handle most of the time. I understand that the iPad's not going to do that. And I'm okay that Apple doesn't make the iPad that powerful to be all of that because it's not that kind of device. But it's like, it would be nice if all of Apple's products could accomplish similar tasks. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it's like, I just, <laughs> I want these products to be better, but I don't want them to merge because like you said, I am, I'm also in the same boat. I like the desktop experience. I like the iPad experience and I think they're separate things. And I'm still just trying to think if Apple actually does this, what does that look like? And I have no idea. See, it seems to me like the iPad uh, 10 years ago, this was the device that was the answer to those that wanted a touchscreen Mac. And I, I understand it's not the same thing. But if I think about, okay, uh, touchscreen PCs, I remember like 2007, 2008. Do you remember like... Uh, those all-in-ones, like the HP TouchSmart, those like really crazy yeah. old Windows machines that like they were all screen and like the whole idea was it uh, the whole idea about them was that this was the machine like for your home like you put this in the kitchen you'd have one of these like you could pull up recipes and like it was like this it, it built the idea of this really great touchscreen computer that everyone could use for the family and it was great and then as people got them they really didn't sell because no one really wanted to use a pc with a touchscreen and Granted, a lot of that issue has to be with Microsoft and their implementation of touch and touch drivers and their OS not really being optimized. But I feel like the iPad was 
Apple's answer to that is, okay, you want a touchscreen computer to do what? Uh, browse the web, check emails, go through photos. Here's the iPad. And that's when we got it, when Steve Jobs demoed it, and the kind of uh, end of the story kind of wrote itself. And that's kind of how the iPad has really come into its own and uh, really dominated and not really created, but definitely dominated the tablet market. So I just, I don't see this happening. And especially, you know, you could make the argument, well, now that they're all running the same silicon, they're, they're running the same internals, doesn't it make sense for them to run the same OSs? I see that argument, but I'd also say counter to that, okay, great that they can do that, but because they're running the same architecture, let's just have the same apps. I am much more in the camp that I would love to have the ability to run iPad and iOS apps on the Mac and Mac uh, Mac apps on iPadOS. That's great, but I don't really want to run the same OS. Give me the ability to run those apps on any architecture, and that's great, or any platform rather, but I don't need to run the whole OS on different devices. It's like I don't, I don't want iPad OS on the Mac because it's capable of doing it, but I don't want to do that. Uh, is the same reason why I don't want uh, an iPad that runs Mac OS. I just, I, I just don't see it. Well, and then I guess the way I've always thought of this since the beginning of the iPad, or I guess since the beginning of the iPad Pro, because that's when Apple really showed or started to show interest that like, okay, we want to actually take this thing seriously as a computer replacement. You know, the way I've always thought of it is, okay, there's a certain generation, which I think is us and anyone older than us, which grew up with computers. They are extremely familiar with how they work. It's basically ingrained in your, it's like muscle memory at this point. Like you, you know how to type, you know how to use a mouse. Like you never have to think about it. And that's just how computers always were since the beginning of time. Now the iPad and the iPhone, the iPhone really started this, but with the iPad as well, this is a different skew. Like it's a different uh, generation, if you will, of computer. And for people that are younger than us, which, so let's say people born in the 2000s, they grew up with these touchscreens for the most part. I mean, obviously they're, they've only been around for, you know, about what, 11, 11 years, no, 13 years at this point. It's been a while. So especially anyone in their teenage years at this point, like they grew up with this being their computer. So I imagine, well, I, I know that they're intimately familiar with the touchscreen as well. So that's why I want, or that's why I think Apple really just needs to bring the touch OS to maturity with iPad OS, like bring all these apps over, but let it be its own thing. It's something different and they accomplish different tasks. Well, I guess they accomplish the same task, but they do it in different ways that I think different people benefit from. For instance, you know, like you said, you and me, we like using the keyboard and mouse here at a big screen, but do you know, I, I, do you know how many like teenagers out there are ever on a huge desktop with three monitors? That just None. doesn't happen. They're on their phone. I mean, I wouldn't even say most of them are on their tablet, but they're definitely on their phone. So it's like, they're, I think it's just a different way of thinking. Now, the question is, what does Apple think about this? Because, you know, they've gone back, they've kind of gone back and forth. You know, we've seen, obviously, they've been trying to iOSify macOS for a long time. We've had things like Dashboard, which were very much an iOS inspiration. We've had, um, or is it Dashboard? No, not Dashboard. Uh, Launchpad, which is very much an iOS Ugh. Yep. <laughs> it's very much iOS like. Use it. I actually do use it, but it's not. Yeah, it's like a whatever feature. But the and then obviously now with Catalyst, where you can actually run iOS apps. Like, 
there's obviously some sort of merging here, but what is the end goal is what I don't know. Here's what I'll say what my end goal for me personally would, would be amazing. This is what I would love. I, I'm actually okay, let's merge everything. All the OSs are basically stemmed out of macOS, which they actually are now. They're just different. Like they have the same base core of code. Um, but macOS is the overarching code base. Then you have iOS for your phone. Then you have iPadOS. Okay, that's what we have now. But give me all of that that runs on my phone, and that's the only device I take with me. And this 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 theory or hope is for probably I mean like five years from now. This isn't ready yet. This would incorporate things like five G tech, whatever Wi Fi seven that doesn't exist yet. Like, and then like a lot of technologies that don't necessarily work yet, but. Give me my phone that runs everything, but when I'm on my phone, it's running iOS that we're used to. When I pick up my tablet, it kind of transfers over. It's just a, it's like a dummy screen that also just runs iPadOS, but it's all of my stuff coming from, I don't know if this is making sense, but, and then when I sit at my table, I have this box here that just streams what I need into this huge desktop environment. That's kind of my dream. And then the reason I think it's possible is because you know, when we see like these, this Apple glass, the whole idea there is that the phone is going to be the hub and for everyone in their life, the phone is the hub right now. So the more powerful these phones gets, the more they can do really the only limitation there is the screen size. So if you can just project that onto bigger, bigger and bigger screens, you can in theory, do everything I could do now on all these different computers, but through one device. And that would mean I put on my glasses, they're running from my phone. I sit at my desk, my screen's running from my phone. And this is something that companies have tried. I think Microsoft just tried this with Windows Phone back in the day. You can plug it in and basically have a full Windows. And, you know, it's cool. I, I like that idea. It's just the power wasn't there. And I hope, I don't think Apple's necessarily planning this, but I think what they're kind of doing now actually would work in that way uh that was kind of rant but <laughs> i don't know if that made any sense that's okay it, it made sense I, I mean samsung's trying to push decks which basically that's does true. that but yeah. no one wants to use it uh, but actually it's because it, it sucks because it sucks but yeah. if it was actually good then i guess uh my big question for this which i don't know the answer to uh is really so if apple was to do this so they make the touchscreen mac who is this for? Because that's what I don't understand. Because I think that you made a good point that you have those of us who grew up with the computer and used the computer to do computery things with air quotes that you can't see because this is audio. But like you got to get like Final Cut and uh, development and coding and stuff like that. Like people use the computer for those kind of things. Then you have the generation that uses their phone and tablets. And I feel like they don't want to use a computer. So there's a, let's say this like hypothetical MacBook Air launches with a touchscreen interface. Who really cares? Because I feel like the people that want a computer don't care that it has a touchscreen. And the people that don't want a computer and want a tablet don't care to use the MacBook Air anyways because they have their phone or their tablet. So I just, I guess the idea of this sounds nice, but I think pract you know, practically speaking, I don't really know who would take advantage of this. If I had a touchscreen laptop, I don't think I'd ever use it. And like you, I used Surface Pro X and uh, other Surface devices and other touchscreen equipped laptops that... Uh, there was always a trade-off with them too. You never could get peak brightness or you couldn't get the resolution or you couldn't get the refresh rate. I I'd rather have a high refresh rate, bright, beautiful display than a 1080p touchscreen 
display. I just, I guess that's just me, but no, I uh, it, yeah, it just, I, I just don't see, I don't see a future for this. I just, I don't see well, what the the benefit would be. Yeah, and then thinking about the form factor of what this product would actually be. Okay, if it's a laptop, would basically just touchscreen. So like what we have with Windows laptops. Again, what is the benefit there? Because okay, what am I going to do with that? Apple, at least you know historically has always been we're not going to do something unless there's a reason to do it and there's a a better better reason to do it like i guess the touch bar is probably the last one that didn't actually work out but i i can see what they were thinking it's just you know they're like okay the touchscreen's not going to work because again touchscreen on this form factor is just not great okay so let's build something that we think is kind of a stopgap or gives you some of the functionality, but in a better way. And they kind of look at every problem that way. So I just, yeah, I just keep coming back to what is this product actually going to look like? If it's a laptop, I don't see the point because what does that actually give you? And if it's not a laptop, well then isn't that just an iPad? Yeah. That's, that's just where I keep coming back to it. I don't really see the point. So I guess We'll see. And I guess my other thinking about this, too, is like if Apple's going to invest all this time into a touchscreen Mac, I feel like there's at least for me other things I'd rather than be working on. That's not <laughs> touchscreen Macs, like give me better performance and better uh, specs and stuff like that. And speaking of ARM and specs and performance and stuff like that, uh, what are your thoughts, Matt, on because you have some experience working at a uh, Apple publication uh, obviously, it's a, a different business than YouTube, but there are you know different facets that go into this. Um, and we can just touch on it briefly. There was an an online website that covers Apple News that published uh, a video and an article on the ARM-based Mac Mini that is technically under very strict NDA. You cannot get one unless you're a developer. You have to be an approved developer to get one. Like there is a, a bunch of NDAs about this, and we all know that developers themselves would probably share some benchmarks and some stuff would get, you know, shared around and stuff like that. But obviously there was someone who took an opportunity to, I'm sure, make some money from this particular website to loan them or sell them or give them this Mac mini. And then this publication posted some stuff on it online. And I was incredibly surprised to see the amount of backlash yeah. that came from this. And well, we, we learned some interesting things that we can get into in a minute, but do you have some general thoughts? Like what was your reaction to seeing this? And uh, I, I don't know if you have any insight to this, but like being from a place that covered Apple news and, you know, this is a big deal. Do you think this is a risk worth taking? Because obviously you're going to piss Apple off. I don't think it's a risk worth taking. Well, I'm not surprised that this happened. Like, I, it, it was bound to happen in this day and age. Of course, someone was going to get it out there and someone was going to post something on it. But it, it, it's not so much that it's even breaking the NDA or anything like that. It's just like, it, it's just kind of scummy in a way. Like, I don't know how to explain it correctly, but it's like, it's like, in, it's in bad faith in a way. Like, I don't know. Uh, what is your what is your take on it? I don't I'm not conflicted on it. I just don't know how to explain it exactly. Like it's not something that I would do. Let's put it that way. It's I mean, it's someone is going to do it and I get that. And obviously what we gain from that, like I think it's interesting tear down, for sure. Like, tear down. Yeah, there yeah. there is a lot to gain, but at least I guess for me like I have more respect 
for, I don't even know, this is a hard situation to discuss. I understand completely if an anonymous developer is like, yeah, I got this, here are some benchmarks and I don't want to, you know, do anything. But for someone to go out of their way to sell this, to profit off of this, which I'm assuming they made some money off of this, and then for a website to jump on it just to say they did it, I just... I, I don't know how to feel about it. I just, it was an interesting story that it broke. It was, a, you know, obviously a big Apple story this week. And it's hard to tactfully cover this uh, <laughs> from an objective point of view. But I did think it was interesting. And just to see the response from people, just. It, I was surprised by that, actually. I was surprised so many people were like, this is a bad move because it's a company. So why would you care what Apple thinks? But I don't think that's the point. I think it's the. Yeah, I don't I don't yeah, I don't know how to put it in words, but it's like there's just something wrong about it. It's hard because like on one hand, people get the dummies of the phones all the time. Yeah, like what's and, the difference really? Well, I guess you know, the dummies like they're not from Apple. It's almost like if I guess almost the best I can relate this to at least in my thinking is almost like the Gizmodo iPhone 4. <laughs> I was exactly going to bring that up. It was an official Apple device that was meant to be internal that someone got their hands on in one way or another. And instead of doing what they knew was right and what they should have been technically legally obligated to do, they decided to post this for views just to show that, Hey, look what I was able to do. And I also think not to say one thing's right or the other, but this particular company's response to those that criticize them to say, hey, we didn't sign an NDA. We just got this. The developers responsible responsible for this were not. That's not the right move to make either. So I, I almost feel like it's like the Gizmodo thing all over again where you have – obviously someone's going to do it. It's They're going to get a bunch of traffic and a bunch of clicks. And, hey, I respect you for being lucky enough to do that. But on the other hand, it's in bad form. Yeah. It's just bad form. I'm not exactly sure why, but it's just one of those things that you you kind of feel weird about. It's so weird. I, I guess, but the flip side of this, what's interesting is we did get some yeah, true. Geekbench numbers <laughs> from this. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard because you have to take it with a grain of salt because Geekbench obviously is not ARM uh, optimized yet. It's not optimized for its Apple Silicon. So it was running in a Rosetta uh, kind of, uh, what's the word, translation layer. So uh, keep that in mind. But the numbers we saw were, what, comparable to an i3 uh, MacBook Pro or Mac Mini. I'm not. It was an Intel i3 SKU of something. So yeah, on the board for sure. I didn't see anything. At least maybe you saw something I didn't map. But like nothing that was like blowing. Uh, you know anything out of the water? Like oh my gosh, this performance is crazy. And also, do keep in mind that Apple has explicitly stated that this A's A13, not A13, A12. A12Z. This chip is in a developer transition kit. It will not be in any Mac sold to the public. So this is just a go-between. This is not an official Mac uh, chip that's going to be in any Mac for sale. So a lot of caveats here, but what were your initial thoughts on performance? Did you expect better? Did you expect worse? Uh, definitely interesting to see these uh, benchmarks pop up. Yeah, and it's interesting because when you benchmark an iPad Pro that has that same chip and actually has less RAM, it benchmarks with a macbook pro which i believe the i5 version not the i3 so so the question for me is like how much how much bandwidth is this rosetta layer taking away like how how much of a hit is that going to have uh, obviously it's going to have some sort of hit but is it going to be that big where it's like i have a different type of processor that's that's a pretty big hit 
I'm kind of conflicted on this. The other thing that people keep talking about, which we haven't gotten a clear answer on, is technically this developer transition kit does not have Thunderbolt. There's USB-C, but there's not Thunderbolt. So I am a little concerned about that. I'm sure, I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd say it's got to have Thunderbolt because... It's got it's to. Just a, it, Apple it's just a standardized technology. Yeah, I mean, Apple worked <laughs> with Intel to do this. So, But uh, it, it does bring an interesting question. It's a double... Uh, a double-sided question almost uh, that we've talked about earlier this week and we can get into. Uh, two questions. One of them is, who would be crazy enough to buy an Intel Mac right now? Are you crazy? Apple Silicon is coming. Like, just wait for the newer computers, which we actually did see, funny enough, an unannounced or rumored unannounced iMac benchmark show up today that was running uh, some Intel chips, but we can talk about that later. Who would be crazy enough to buy an Intel Mac right now? And then also, the other question is, who is crazy enough to buy the first ARM Mac? <laughs> yeah. Because that's going to come with its own issues. What buying advice would you give to someone right now considering those two questions? Yeah, no, it's it's tough. I, I think the best advice is it, it's always the same no matter what you're buying. If you don't need it right now, then wait. But if you absolutely need it, then just buy whatever you can get and whatever the best that you can afford. And so for us, I mean, we're actually in a in that bind right now because I guess technically we don't need new computers, but we're we're at that point where we're we need to upgrade. And you actually just did upgrade our work computer for you. The you would you get the sixteen inch? Yeah, sixteen inch. I have a so, twenty sixteen now. So that it was like the debate is like, do you wait or go? But I just decided to go because because it's bad enough it. for you that you needed it so like right. i mean in that case like for us okay these computers last about two years anyway i mean yours is like four years old but you know i'm about to upgrade mine mine's a 2018 so it's like okay two-year upgrade cycle for us because we really push these machines and we actually uh you know we need that power and we upgrade pretty often anyway okay maybe we should just buy one now and then hopefully by the time we need to upgrade again well then, I mean, I guess in two years, they're supposed to have this transition completely done. So we're not really going to have a choice at that point, but hopefully some of the hiccups will be gone. But yeah, if you're just someone who's like, well, I could upgrade, but I also don't really need to, I would probably wait and just see, because I would see at least what this first ARM chip looks like. What are the hiccups? What What are the issues that this transition is going to have? Because at least initially, well, but see, this, this is the issue. I was going to say initially, uh, they're still going to have Intel Mac, so you can just go buy an Intel Mac. But then why would you buy an Intel Mac if you're going to have to get one, another one, because they're going to stop supporting it in a few years? Like, yep. I, yeah, yep. It's a tough question. But I think, init- at least for now, let's, for now, I would wait until we see the first Mac with the ARM chip or the Apple Silicon, because that's coming very soon, uh, supposedly. And at, at the very least, it'll give us an idea of what to expect going forward. This is tough because this is like right in the back to school season where people are yeah, buying true. laptops for their kids. I, um, and if if you want any proof of Apple putting their money where their mouth is about, you know, Intel Macs in the pipeline and you should still buy a Mac, uh, Greg Joswiak, who I think is like in Apple's executive team for sure, I think in the marketing, yeah, marketing department, yeah. he said uh, on a conversation with uh, John Gruber on the Daring Fireball WWDC special that he bought a 16-inch MacBook Pro for his daughter that week. So if you want any proof that Apple is still intending to support it and, you know, all that, uh, then uh, look no further than Apple, an Apple executive himself. So if you're an Apple yeah, executive, by the way, do you really have to buy a Mac? 
Uh, well, it was funny because according to him, he said that, and you know, who knows? This is all just hearsay, and who knows if it's real? But like, he's like, oh, you know, uh, those employee discounts aren't as good as they should be. You got to talk to somebody about that. But it's like when you're making Apple executive Obviously, money, he can afford it. I'm not worried about that. But it's yeah. like you feel like you should be able to give him. Yeah, one. just walk in and be like, uh, here's my uh, Apple uh, uh, campus badge. Just uh, have one of these yeah. uh, taken from the back for me. It's just crazy. I mean, I was thinking, like, what that must be like to walk into the store, you're an Apple executive, and to buy a computer that you probably had some part in building and designing, and it just, that's crazy. And you have to pay for it. Yeah, and you're paying for it. Like, I was going right back, uh, uh, somehow somehow paying my salary. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's it's tough because if I was a college student, that was going back to school or I had a kid going back to school that needed a computer. I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, wait, especially, especially right now with, you know, COVID and everything, it seems like we're going to be at least partially in this, you know, school from home thing. So everyone needs a computer and there's going to be countless people who also need to upgrade their computer because they're like, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a huge segment of the population that's like right now. Well, I guess they're, probably out of school right now but when they were in school and doing everything from home they were using the computer that they had and it was it was like hey this works for now but this thing is not meant for this and they're gonna have to get a new one and they're waiting for those hopefully you know sales back to school sales that always happen but yeah that's it's such a weird time to transition or i guess if they time it correctly then apple could really have like a hit on their hands like what if they come out with that you know 12 13 inch macbook with an arm chip that's super thin and light, has a 1080p webcam, like all that kind of stuff. And it's also not super crazy expensive, like it's 1200 bucks or something. And then that comes out right in time for back to school. Like that's a great way to get tons of arm chips in everyone's hands. Yeah, that's the problem is like we just don't know what that first ARM Mac is going to be. Is it going to be a MacBook? Is it going to be a MacBook Air? Is it going to be an iMac? We just don't know. So that's just really tough to make that decision. I I would agree with you, and I'd give anybody buying advice. If you need it right now, buy it. If you think you can wait another year or two, then obviously I'd wait. But just understand that if you buy an Intel Mac right now, you run the risk not only of it being a little behind and obsolete, but it's not going to be supported forever we have to understand that as these arm macs come out apps are going to eventually apps are going to get written just for apple silicon so the lifespan of this computer might not be eight to ten years it might only be four or five years so that's just something to kind of keep in mind yeah also if you're looking at like big sur and thinking well it's gonna be cool to run these ios apps on my computer if you get an intel mac that does not work right so i mean there's well there are some advantages and disadvantages but yeah for sure i mean if you're one of those people that buys a computer and keeps it for like seven years intel might not be the way to go at this point because i mean i guess if you buy an intel mac now you'll probably be fine for at least five years but i mean you're you're not it's a question at least you don't know that for sure it's tough because I have a lot of family members who need new iMacs. I have two. I have a, an aunt and an uncle and a, my grandma who they got, they have 2011 iMacs. And my mom too has like a 2013 iMac, like computers that are very ripe for an upgrade. And what am I going to say? Wait for ARM? It's like they don't care. And it's like they wouldn't even use the functionality anyway. So I'm more, uh, you know, in favor of just getting an Intel Mac now, getting stuff that works, use it, and then just... Um, We'll see what happens in five years. It's just 
obviously you're never going to be able to time things right. You're never going to be able to get the machine right when it comes out and then have it last forever and it be brand new. That just, it's not how it works. I mean, think of, uh, at least we're not one of those people that just bought a Mac Pro that now spent $15,000 <laughs> for a computer that will in two years technically be behind the curve and obsolete, but that's another discussion. Yeah, also think about, okay, Mac OS Big Sur, the brand new one that's not even out yet. It's compatible with 2013 MacBook Air and later, 2013 MacBook Pro and later, 2014 Mac Mini iMac, 2013 Mac Pro. So, I mean, this thing is compatible with Macs that came out seven, almost eight years ago. Are we going to see that going forward? I don't think so. I, I, I think we're going to get maybe five years if we're lucky. So if you're yeah, one of those people, like I said, that keeps the computer forever, I would wait. Do you think that the next version, OS 11.2, whatever they call it, do you think that would be Intel compatible or do maybe that would be the last year it's Intel compatible? Because I can't see them three years from now shipping a new Mac OS version that is still uh, you know, forwards and backwards compatible. It just kind of seems like a, a little bit of a waste of time. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think I think we've got at least a good three, four years of that. But I, th I can't remember correctly, but maybe you do. When they did the PowerPC to Intel, I know they said they were going to have it compatible, but didn't they like not do that? Yeah, I think that there was like some uh, discussion on that. I just heard recently, like I think it was only, yeah, like three years or like they said, oh, it's going to be compatible for many years to come. But in all reality, it was only like three years. So and then again, I saw um, someone, I think it was again that during Fireball interview, John Gruber asked, when you say that Intel Macs will be supported for a number of years to come or a few years to come, what do you mean by that? And Craig kind of laughed and said the exact same thing. It uh, means a few years <laughs> means a few years. So like, we really don't know. I mean, this yeah. the we could be thinking that Apple's going to be generous and they're going to support these Macs forever. But if you think about it, the shorter amount of time the better for them because less work they have to do for security patches, less work for R&D. Uh, it's just better for them. So I'm curious to see how long an Intel-supported Mac really is supported. So I guess yeah. we'll have to see about that. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I it, And, it, you know, it hurts me even more because I want this new iMac. But if it has an Intel chip, I'm going to – I don't know if I can spend 3000 bucks on a thing that's going to be potentially outdated in three years. Right. It's tough. But I think, you know, kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning. If you need a computer right now, then buy the best one you can get. But if you can wait, then I would, I mean, for anything, just always wait if you can. Yep. Uh, should we talk about the biggest controversy of Ooh, the Apple Watch? Juicy World this news. Week? <laughs> Very juicy. Yeah. I'm I'm so surprised. I'm so surprised how polarizing this is, and I understand I'm both surprised sides of this argument. That, and I'm surprised how much it's actually still being talked about. It's been out for a few days. This news, but I'm not surprised how many people are vehemently opposed to it. But I'm surprised how many people care. And that we should tell you is apparently the iPhone 12 is not going to have a charging brick in the box. And man, this is causing a stir. Yeah, and it's a little confusing because. Not only have we heard that this was going to happen, that they were going to include a charging brick, but we saw pictures of a rumored 20 watt fast charging brick yeah. that was supposed to come with the iPhone 12 Pro. So I, I'm not totally convinced on this. And to backtrack a little bit, we heard a little while ago from some Apple analysts that Apple was not going to be shipping their wired ear pods in with the phones anymore. That that was just going to go by the wayside. And 
eh, people were a little upset, but you kind of get it. Like, eh, not they many people use them. Yeah, whatever. That's Apple being Apple. But this charging brick thing, the fact that Apple could sell a phone without a charging brick has people very upset. But then you also have those people that are upset. Then you have the people saying, well, the environmental impacts. I mean, look at all this e-waste that's not going to go to landfills because Apple's not going to produce tens of millions of these plastic bricks that aren't going to ever be used. And I don't know. Where, where do you fall on this, Matt? Do you first off, what do you how do you feel about this? And then what do you think Apple's actually gonna do? Because I feel like those are two different answers. Uh this is a very Apple move, so I can definitely see them doing it. I, I personally I, I don't really care, obviously. Like I, I haven't used the charge brick that comes with my phone. Actually, no, that's a lie. I have used it with the iPhone 11 because that's the first time they ship with the 18 watt. So I yep. actually am using those. But before that, I hadn't used the charge brick that came with the phone for years because I just have my own stuff. And the way I look at it is obviously not from my perspective because I'm not the right demographic to be looking at because I have so many things. Obviously, I have a charge brick laying around. But I have to look at people like my parents, my sister, friends, people who have all these devices, but they they're not like me who have like a bajillion of them laying around and I, they don't use them either. They have their own bricks. For instance, my mom uses some brick. It's like purple. I don't know where it came from. It's obviously yep. like dollar store or something. And it, it's probably not a good charger. Like it probably sucks, but she doesn't care. Like that's what she's using when she gets a new phone. She's just going to keep using it. Cause it's already exactly. plugged in where she uses it. So it's I like, feel like, yep. I, I, like I, I've seen the argument that this is a very, tech journalist or tech person um centered debate like oh you you have a bunch of them so you don't think anyone else doesn't have i don't know i can't really i don't know why i'm saying that's so wrong but um like since i have so many that i'm implying that everyone else has so many but i think this is one case where actually yeah everyone else does have at least one of these laying around and I feel like all you really need is like one or two. Like I, my parents are the same way. They have like their bedside table brick chargers. I don't know from what iPhone generation they are. And as long as they have the cable, which I think is even more important because my parents, true. all the, all they always want new cables. Oh, I want yep. a longer no, true. lightning cable. I want this. I want that. As long as <laughs> my it, mom's the same way. <laughs> As long yeah, as long as like they have the cable, they're fine. And I feel like yeah, I think I uh, when my parents got their last phone upgrades, we got them uh, 10s Maxes. They got the phone out, they took the uh, cable out, and that was it. They didn't care for the earpods or actually, I think they they did take the earpods. They did definitely they did not take the brick because they just didn't care. And I feel like that is a very normal thing. Also, I saw some other. I think there might be some confusion. I, I don't know how widespread this is but i saw a few different things about it of people with android phones not realizing that you can literally plug the same cable into an android brick as you can yep. an iphone brick and it works the same way i think there is some confusion there thinking that an iphone charger is a i know it has a lightning cable but it's not a proprietary thing on the thing that goes into the wall like you can literally use anything and it works yeah, I mean, you can use, uh, I, I have so many like third-party charging bricks, I don't even know where they came from, that's all I use. Because those, you got to be honest, like those little Apple ones, those little, what are they, like the, the five, five watt, watt little puny yeah. ones, like those just like, eh, those are just kind of a waste anyways. So I, I get it to a certain extent, but I would like, like you, I use that fast charger all the time. I would like them to include the 20 watt in the pro. At least I, I can see it. If there's going to be an argument to be made, if Apple's going to do it, I can see them eliminating it from the cheaper iPhone 12 series. I can just, I can see that. But I feel like for the pro, 
I would really like that 20 watt charger and I feel like it's not too much to ask when you're paying, uh, you know, hundreds of dollars more, you know, the, uh, the iPhone 12 is going to start at 649 for the smaller one. Uh, you know, that iPhone 12 pro is, you know, what, $350 more. I kind of would expect a charging brick for that. So I, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I see both sides. The earpods, I sometimes use those, sometimes don't. I don't. I use I'm not them sometimes. Super yeah. offended if they got rid of those. Like I get it. Uh, it's kind of like the headphone dongle. You know, they had the Lightning to headphone dongle in the box for a number of years. They just had to do it because people were still transitioning. They stopped including those, right? So I kind of wait. Did yep. They did stop including those. So Here's I, I kind of get. Yeah. I get it. Here's what's gonna happen if they do it. Let's say they do it. Okay, they're gonna do it. Everyone's gonna make fun of them for like a month, and then no one's gonna care anymore. And that's just life. Same thing that happened when they switched. They took off the headphone jack. Yeah, people still act like they complain, but nobody really cares anymore. Like the general public is over it, even if they don't like it, which I think a lot of people don't. They never actually think about it. Um, and I know that because pretty much everyone, at least I know, that is not tech focused has a phone that doesn't have a headphone jack. And guess what? They're living life just fine. And so then it's going to be annoying, but it'll be fine. And to that point, what's going to happen is Apple will stop doing it, and then we'll see more manufacturers stop doing it as well. We're just not going to see charging bricks come in the box with stuff. But you know, I, I, yeah, you know who should be absolutely like praising and hoping this happens is companies like Anchor, Aki, yeah, yep, all these other third parties who literally only sell these products. Man, they'll make a killing if if they go to the Apple store and they see that the charge brick is. 30 bucks but they can go on amazon and get one that is actually better and is like 10 bucks well that's the thing too is like i feel like uh not only is a charging brick going to be expensive but i always like tell my parents like the iphone cables from the apple store yes they're well made they're going to work with the phone they're going to be great but typically you can just go on amazon and buy like a five dollar cable it's going to be even you know just work just as fine so i feel like uh there's definitely going to be all these people that are going to be online searching for charging bricks and also uh people are going to have their minds blown when they find out you can do fast charging because that yeah, is true. super cool. When you get a, a fast charger and you can uh, top off your phone in like no amount of time, that's super cool. So I, I see both arguments. It's Apple being Apple, the nickel and diming. I think it's stupid. Do you think that this would be better if, okay, Apple said, well, I've seen two arguments. One is people saying, well, three. People say, one, keep it in the box, don't do anything. Other people saying, okay, you're not going to put it in the box, but make it cheap because I think... Like you can get the headphone adapter, isn't it? Well, I guess it's ten bucks. But like, let's say like the charging brick was like five bucks, ten bucks. Like, it's oh, um, what's a good example? Apple the AirPods tips aren't they like three bucks for the Four. replacement yeah. tips? Okay, still a ripoff. But let's say like the charging <laughs> brick was five bucks. Okay, that's I can see that. Or I saw some crazy people saying, "Oh, Apple's gonna discount the phone because they're not having the brick in the box." Which I think that's never gonna happen. So well. No, I, I saw that argument too, but I think the argument was that because the phone is 650, the charging brick is one of the reasons why it was able to go cheaper. Yeah. Which I believe, but eh, it's, that's pushing Well, a bit. also, how much do you think it really costs Apple to make one of those things? 10 cents? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not have they much. been making that five watt charger with USB in there for so long that they probably have just this massive stockpile that they would just love to, they could probably never produce a new one again and still have inventory to put in phones. So. <laughs> Yeah. I, I get that. I just I think it's it's very interesting. Like you said, I am so surprised how much this has started a conversation. And I guess I really don't care either way. Though I would say I would like to see that fast charger with the Pro. But I guess we'll like like most things, we just have to wait and see what Apple decides to do. So we'll know <laughs> in the fall. 
we thought we knew everything there was to know about the iPhone 12, but we still getting we still keep getting surprises. And uh, you know, you know what's crazy is if we're getting a September event, which it seems like we're going to, that's only two months away. <laughs> I'm very excited because, you know, we heard forever that, oh, everything's getting shifted, delayed, delayed, delayed. But then I think was it was a Bloomberg that was like, oh, actually, everything's back on track for September. So, I mean, the world is a little little sad right now. It's there's a lot going on that's just very abnormal. So I would love to have the normalcy of an iPhone launch with uh, iPhone uh, announcement. What would be interesting, though, I wonder if. I mean, we don't know where the coronavirus situation is going, but do you think that Apple would do uh, online only, no in-store pickups for iPhone uh, oh. 12? Because that does draw quite the crowd for those same-day pickups. Yeah, that's true. I hope they at least have, you know, just same-day pickup. Or, yeah, no, I don't know. Because, yeah, you're right. At least here in Southern California, there's crowds. So I can see yeah. them not doing that. Even for those who held, like last year for the 11 Pro, I went to... Uh, Irvine Spectrum, big Apple store around here in Orange County, and I was a reservation holder, so I was didn't have to really wait in line to, for the chance to get one. I was going to pick one up, but we went by there a couple times throughout the day, and it was packed. Like there was just a lot yeah. of people just waiting and waiting and waiting. So I wouldn't be surprised Apple being a very cautious company if they said, you know what, uh, we're gonna deliver these on launch day, but you can't go to the store to get one. So. We'll see, I guess. Another thing, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. But uh, <laughs> something to keep in mind for sure is if you want an iPhone on launch day, maybe the store is not going to be an option this year. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. Good point. And, you know, I keep thinking like, well, maybe things will change by then. But I mean, it's only two months away. That's probably going to be very similar to what it is now. I, I would expect an online only event and things to kind of continue as per usual. I mean, even if things do get better, again, Apple is a very cautious well, overly yeah. cautious company that probably will do things uh more cautiously than they others would so I, I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised yeah me either well i mean we covered quite a bit here i think man I, I still just there's so many questions the more we see the more we get the more questions i have but uh we'll leave that all to uh, another day but a little bit of housekeeping here. Thanks to everyone for listening. We really, you know, we really appreciate it, especially everyone who asks questions. We have that number down in the show notes, so you can text us, leave us a voicemail, all that good stuff, and we'll read it on the next episode. Also, be sure to head over, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. This kind of, you know, helps us uh, get discovered, and it's really the only way to kind of know how everything's going. So we really appreciate all that. But yeah, that is it for housekeeping. Hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll see you guys next time. See you next week.